championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Welcome to the LakersNation.com live postgame show. The Lakers did pick up the win over the Rockets. A close one. They almost lost at the buzzer. Whew, too close for comfort. Not what we were expecting from a Lakers-Rockets game, but got the win nonetheless. That's the important part. We're going to break down the game here tonight. Quick reminder, if you're not already subscribed to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel, make sure you do subscribe and don't forget to turn on those notifications as well. If you're coming in from YouTube, from Facebook, from Twitter, welcome in. We'll be taking your questions and comments. If you're listening to the podcast version of this, make sure you do follow us over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Joining me tonight is Matt the Optimus Peralta. Matt, how are you doing, man? How stressful was that? was that game? I am never going to be able to watch a Lakers game this season in peace, Trevor. Uh, this one was way too close for comfort, as evidenced by the last couple minutes. Of course, the win is nice, but it's one of those wins that doesn't feel too great. Mm -hmm. it, it shouldn't have gone this close. And to be honest, the Lakers shouldn't have even been in this position to begin with. But, uh, you know, the Lakers moved to five and three, which is, I believe, good for third now in the Western Conference in this early part of the season. So that's good. Uh, we're now 10% of the season away. So... All things considered, things could be worse. But again, it's just one of those things where you wish the Lakers played better and didn't have to, you know, try this hard toward the end I, of the I think game. the frustrating part for me was it felt like against the Cavs and then again against the Rockets, the Lakers had taken some steps forward, right? Like the last game against the Rockets, there was never much of a doubt about who was going to win that game. The Lakers were in control the entire way. Uh, and then against the Cavs, we saw the defense turn things up when Frank Vogel went to the smaller lineup, went to Avery Bradley in there. And tonight, the defense didn't really show up. It almost seemed like the Lakers were scoring so easily early on in the game that they got it in their heads that they didn't need to really go all out on defense because they were scoring so easily. And then next thing you know, the Rockets just kept scoring and scoring, started hitting threes. They had, what, 70 points at halftime? They scored 85 last time the Lakers played them. Uh, and suddenly the Lakers had a fight on their hands because they gave the Rockets hope and didn't really come out there and try defensively. They just didn't have that sharpness. Yeah, it was weird. The Lakers seemed pretty disinterested for basically three-fourths of the game, really. Um, and I think it's one of those things where they just beat this young Rockets team on Sunday. Uh, they play them again. They think, okay, we can score pretty much anytime we want, so we don't really have to try necessarily mm -hmm. as hard. Um, and before I say anything else, I know we. I think the last time I came on here, I said that you can't really boil down everything to energy <laughs> right. and effort, but I actually think tonight was was basically it. Um, the Lakers are clearly the better team. This this shouldn't have been this game shouldn't have been, ever been in doubt, mm -hmm. to be honest with you. But because it was, I think that just signals that the Lakers didn't take their opponent too seriously, and they were very much one Kevin Porter Jr. deep three away from losing this game. So. It could have been worse, but I think the the frustrating thing, like you mentioned, is that they've beat this team pretty handily just a couple of days ago. The Cavs game was another good, you know, step in the right direction, but this one kind of feels like a step back or just them staying in place. Yeah, it was it was certainly frustrating in that regard. Again, the win is important. The win is important, but uh, would have liked to have seen them show that progress defensively, especially if you're Frank Vogel. You got to be thinking. 
okay, what do we have then, right? Because they showed progress against the Cavs, showed progress last time against the Rockets, and then took a bunch of steps steps back in this one. And I think you're right. I think a lot of it was effort-related. But here's the thing. you got to learn the lesson. We talked about it against the Oklahoma City Thunder. The worst thing you can do against a bad team is give them hope, right? And that's exactly what the Lakers did tonight against the Rockets. They allowed them to get going offensively. The Rockets, they start hitting some shots. They get some open looks. The Lakers aren't super sharp on the defensive end of the floor. And next thing you know, the Rockets are feeling pretty good. Hey, we're getting these shots to go down. They're taking it to them. Next thing you know, the Rockets have a lead. And then they start thinking, thinking in their heads, oh, this might be it. This might be the game that we win. Because realistically, the Rockets are probably only going to win, what, maybe one or two times out of 10 games? So in their heads, they start thinking, this could be the one. And how many people are watching this game because we're playing the Lakers? This is going to be our night tonight. If the Lakers had come out defensively and just put the clamps on from the get-go, that thought never enters the Rockets' head, and then they wind up having a much easier night. But instead, they created problems for themselves by not taking care of business. That's not what you want to see out of a veteran team that knows better. Yeah, I agree. I, look, the final score of this game was 119-117. The last time these two uh, teams met, it was 95-85. to So obviously scoring mm. was not an issue. And I, I cracked the joke on Twitter a bunch of times that defense was optional. <laughs> was. That's honestly what it felt like for, for most of the game. Um, obviously, you expect the Rockets to be a bad defensive team. They're young. They're you know they're still growing. They're, they're learning how to be professional NBA players. But you've got a veteran team like the Lakers under Frank Vogel that knows better and still are, you know outright trying to just outscore teams rather than than clamping down defensively like you mentioned so yeah it's a little frustrating and this is what i was kind of referring to previously and other shows is that i still have no idea what the identity yeah. of this team really is it's it's very jekyll and hyde um they look so great in spurts like i thought the the lakers that we saw against the Cavs was pretty indicative of the type of team we could expect to see you know down the stretch or going forward but then you get nights like tonight where you're like okay um I, i'm not too sure now so it's 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 one of those things that I know they're going to still be working through. And, you know, eight games is still a relatively small mm -hmm. sample size. But I do really think that, again, this is going to be the norm for the Lakers where we're going to get up and down performances for at least, I believe, like maybe like the next right, month. That roller coaster. <laughs> Fans buckle in. I'm going to talk a little bit about that, too. The fan reaction. We'll get to that in just a bit. But toxic, uh, toxic bash bosh from YouTube with a super chat. Thank you. Said LBJ is deadly when rim running. The goat is back. So a nice performance out of LeBron James tonight. Maybe had to do a really little was. bit more heavy lifting than we thought uh, that he should. But overall, great game from him. In fact, I want to talk about transition play, but here's some stats. Uh, LeBron James, 30 points, 10 assists, two steals, four boards, 13 to 21 shooting, two of four from deep. Anthony Davis, 27 points, nine boards. 11 of 18 from the field, Russell Westbrook, 27 points, 10 of 21 shooting, 9 boards, 7 assists, 1 steal. You wouldn't think in a game where LeBron, AD, and Westbrook drop 30, 27, and 27 that the Lakers would be winning by a basket over the Houston Rockets. You would expect with that stat line it, it to be a blowout, but uh, it certainly wasn't. Yeah, no, that is, I'm not very good at math, but I believe that equates to 84 points of the Lakers 119. Um, you would think that, you know, the big three for the Lakers have a good game, mm -hmm. that it's a blowout, right? But it's, you could also swing it the other way and say the Lakers really leaned on their stars tonight because, you know, no one outside of Carmelo Anthony was able to really uh, provide much scoring punch. So 
Um, I, I think that was actually one of the points I wanted to bring up was that this was an encouraging game to see all three uh -huh. stars play well in. Because I think up to this point, we've seen one or two people have really good games and the third one, you know, struggle a little bit. So to see all three of them be successful on the same night is encouraging going forward. Um, I think, you know, that chemistry is starting to come along really well, particularly what I've seen yes. from Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis. Um, that's been that's been really fun to watch, you know, them getting on the same page as far as positioning, where to be, you know, Russ connecting with AD for lobs or dump off passes. Same thing with LeBron in transition. I've liked that growth out of the three of them. So, uh, you know, if there's a if there's a positive takeaway out of this game, you know, other than the win, I think it's definitely the the growing chemistry between the big three. For Kyle sure. Roberts with a super chat said LeBron showing the team how to load manage during the game and still win. LOL. I, He's yeah, been doing that since LeBron's he came been to the doing that for yeah. a while. That's been that's been a thing. Um, I did have another super chat that came in that we do need to get to here. Said uh, King of the Scorpio said Lakers are doing okay, but when all the injured players come back, it will be a nightmare all over again. We won't be good to almost the postseason. So he's he's not saying hey injured players come back and it's going to be a nightmare for the other teams. It's going to be. Injured players come back, and suddenly you've got the Lakers discombobulated again. The chemistry is upset again. That's maybe the glasses half empty approach that we haven't really had so far when we've talked about players coming back. We keep saying, Matt, when Taylor Horton Tucker gets back, it's going to look better because he's going to be able to do this, this, and this on the wing. Kendrick Nunn can provide some things at a guard spot. When Trevor Ariza eventually gets back, right? Wayne Ellington can provide shooting. We've been looking at the positive approach. What do you think about that? Like, just when the Lakers get settled into their rotations, THT could be back within a week and a half, two weeks here. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's an interesting point to take. Um, obviously, when you get that many players coming back, and all four guys you just mentioned are more projected uh -huh. rotational guys, uh, obviously, Austin Reeves' emergence has kind of disrupted that even more now. But I think with those four coming back at, you know, certain points, some of them sooner rather than later, I think there is going to be an adjustment period, and I do think that Frank Vogel is going to have a bit of a, a a wire that he has to walk here as far as how he's going to configure lineups from a night-to-night -night mm -hmm. basis. Because let's face it, like even now, he's still figuring out what lineups work and what don't. Uh, Avery Bradley just got inserted into the starting lineup. Maybe that's because of Dwight Howard. Not too sure yet, but it's clear that he hasn't really settled on one lineup, at least for the starters goes, uh, that he really likes. So... When you have more rotation guys coming in, I'm really going to be interested in seeing how he divvies up minutes amongst all the players that he has at his disposal. We've already seen him cut Malik Monk's minutes. Rondo's not really playing right now. But you add even more pieces for him to, to plug and play, and, and you do have a problem on your hands. But I don't think the Lakers are going to struggle all the way to the postseason. I, I think that's a little drastic. I do think, though, that the first weeks or even a couple months when everyone is healthy, there is going to be you know, again, an adjustment period, but I don't think it's going to be so detrimental that they're going to struggle that much. Yeah. Um, I do think it's going to be a good thing to have those guys come back. As far as the starting lineup goes, Vogel did mention that they probably will try the big lineup again at some point. Um, but I think that the Dwight Howard situation is interesting. Like in my mind, if the Lakers right. are going small, well, going small, LeBron and AD as your front court is not, it's not necessarily that small, but, uh, but if they're playing their smaller lineup, you've got more wings I would have to think that if AD is the starting center, Dwight is probably still the backup, right? He's got to be ahead of DeAndre Jordan. No, I 100% agree. I, I think that that's the lineup. That's the most optimal pairing right now, or the most optimal configuration for the Lakers is AD at the five, Dwight as the backup. Um, you know, I'm going to throw hmm. this back at you. Once, at, So far through eight games, what, who do you think are the mainstays in Frank Vogel's rotation? Obviously the big three. I think Carmelo's yeah. definitely in there. 
And then I think Dwight Howard when he comes back. Um, that's five. Um, after that, I know I think yep. we've got Kane Bazemore. I think he's going to get minutes as well. And then after that, I'm, I'm kind of not really too sure who's going to get consistent minutes out, outside of HBK? those six. See, that's my thing. I don't know if Reeves is... Because I know he's, he's been playing well, and he's a mm-hmm. but he's a rookie still. And you're gonna his role is going to get eaten up by True. Trevor Ariza, by Wayne Ellington. THT, Kedrick Nunn are going to get a lot of backcourt minutes. So I'm just trying to figure out how he fits in Reeves, unless he goes really, really yeah, small. Yeah, that's, that's certainly a challenge there. I would like to say Avery Bradley. There were a number of times defensively where I went... Oh, Frank Vogel's got to be so happy with that rotation that Avery Bradley just made. In fact, there was one play in particular where he rotated down onto Schengen. He recognized that a couple of other, I'm trying to remember who was on the perimeter at the time, but they made a mistake with their rotation. Bradley recognized it, rotated down low onto the big, and then Schengen committed an offensive foul, hooked him to try to get past Avery Bradley. And it was all because it would have been just an open dunk. And Bradley recognized what was about to happen and rotated over and took that away and then drew the offensive foul. Like, that's how you get minutes. So I feel like he's got to continue getting minutes. But you're right. Once, like, THT is a very dynamic player. If his defense is up to the level that the Lakers were hoping it would be at when they said he's going to defend the other team's best perimeter players, how do you keep him off the floor? What about Kendrick Nunn? You gave him the mini mid-level exception. He's the fifth highest paid player on the team. He's going to get minutes. Trevor Ariza, we talked about penciling him in as a starter. Eventually, he comes back. Then what happens? It's going to be interesting to see the way the rotation uh, shakes out. And it's very possible that a month from now, the rotation looks completely different than what it looks like right now. I honestly think that's going to be the case. I think Frank Volkel's just playing the guys that are available right now. But once everyone is healthy and hopefully that they stay healthy, I think he's going to have a pretty rough time trying to figure out, okay, these guys deserve minutes. Mm-hmm. These guys I need to sit out or cut minutes from. So yeah, it, it's going to be, it's going to be a mess, <laughs> but uh, it's going to be a good yes. problem to have. You'd rather have enough good players rather than not. Enough. Matt, you know, this game, it would have, it would drive a lot of people to drink when you were watching this one. It was certainly, it was certainly <laughs> stressful and Lakers nation on that note, we do have some good news for you. If you've been following our social media accounts, you know that we announced the launching of Showtime Loggers. I want to show you guys a little something and something that's really exciting so we got a watch party coming up, as well as the debut of Showtime Logger. Check it out. All right. Showtime Logger is going to debut on Saturday the 6th. And we're going to have a little Lakers versus Blazers watch party at LA Draft in Santa Monica. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'll be there. Matt the Optimist Peralta will be there. Come hang out. We're going to check out the new, the newest logger, Showtime Logger. Again, debuting on the 6th. Going to be a lot of fun. Come join us. Matt, I can't wait. I can't wait for this because then we can actually put your variety of Lakers drinking games into effect. Yeah, for anyone that was keeping uh, count at home, Russell Westbrook banked in two mid-range jumpers today, so that would have been two beers <laughs> for me. So uh, have two of them for me on Saturday if you're going to come hang out with us. That's going to be a blast. And um, yeah, you know, uh, it's, a good season for, it's a good season for us to debut a logger like that because every game is going to force me to drink because it's going to get hard to get through some yeah, of these games. For Trevor. sure. Some <laughs> of these are way more stressful than they should be. But I can't wait. I'm so glad. This will be our first watch party since we had everything kind of shut down and all that kind of stuff this is going to be a lot of fun we'll check out the lakers taking on the blazers we'll get to hang out enjoy the new showtime longer it's going to be a lot of fun if you're listening to the podcast version of guess of this again starts at six o'clock
o'clock. That's when the logger officially debuts. Game time is 7.30. LA Draft in Santa Monica, November 6th, this coming Saturday. We'll be out there. Come join us. Should be a good time. All right, let's get to the 360 award. So the best of the Lakers stars, and I think all three had pretty solid performances. LeBron, Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook. So chat, let us know who do you want to give the 360 award to tonight. Matt, who's your pick? This was so difficult because I was thinking about this throughout the game. I feel like they all won it at certain points for me. You know, Anthony Davis got off to a really strong start. And then I thought Russell Westbrook did really well to carry the team, you know, through the second and third periods. But I, I think I'm going to go mm -hmm. with LeBron James here just because he was the one to close out the game for the Lakers. Uh, that fourth quarter, he really set the tone, aggressive, getting to the rim, basically asserting dominance and looking like prime LeBron, which I don't think we've really seen that level of assertiveness, assertiveness yeah. getting to the rim this season quite yet. So... Um, I think he really set the tone in the fourth quarter. He gave the Lakers the lead. Um, obviously, it was too much of a problem for the, the Rockets to handle. So I think I'm going to go with LeBron James. Agreed. Yeah, th and there's no argument here from me. Because if you watch, if you look at the stat lines, all three guys have an argument. If you watch the game, it's LeBron. I mean, we I talked about this the other day. I was on a, a ESPN Hawaii. I was on that show uh, in Honolulu. And the they asked me the question, what's going to happen when... Russell Westbrook and LeBron James, it's late in the game, it's a close game, who's going to get the ball? How do they even decide that? And I said, it's LeBron. LeBron's getting the ball. Every time in LeBron, in the history of LeBron, every time somebody's been brought in where they've said, hey, this guy can help take some of the playmaking burden off of LeBron James, oh, but maybe what's going to happen in the fourth quarter? Who's going to really get the ball? It's always LeBron. It's always going to be LeBron. Yes, Russell Westbrook can do some of the heavy lifting, but when it's time to win the game, you give the ball to LeBron because he's one of, if not the greatest of all time. And that's exactly what we saw tonight. And you're right. This is the first time we've seen LeBron really turn it on and be like, nah, we're not going to lose this one and just go off. And that's exactly what LeBron James did. He took control of this game. He said, Houston, sorry, kids. You thought you were going to come in here and get a win, but I'm still the best. Yeah, we should have known that LeBron was going to do something like tonight when he tweeted yesterday that he was excited to play basketball. Yes. I mean, like, who he never tweets out, I'm excited to play a game in, like, the regular season like that. So we should have known something was going to be up, and uh, he showed out tonight. So kudos to LeBron, and and great for the Lakers. That Absolutely. They got win. Absolutely. Important that, that's the important part, right, that they did get the win. All right, I'm going to need to get into a few more of these super chats that have been coming in. If you sent it in a little bit ago, I've been trying to keep up with them. Uh, Lynn Sears World said, this team is so volatile, makes me anxious. Love them, but I hope they find their footing sooner rather than later. Yeah, it's that anxiety, I think, that creates some of the reactions. I swear, when I'm watching on Twitter and everything, on basketball Twitter, I swear there's people, even Lakers fans, that are waiting for them to struggle just to say all the negative things that they feel about, about this team. I'm like, are, are you guys just waiting right now for the team to, to have a rough go in a game or something so that you can say, I told you so, they're terrible, they suck, this is awful? I'd rather see them win, win games, but there are a lot of people right now very anxious during their games, and I think it's because of that roller coaster. You mentioned it, Matt. We can't seem to get a game that's just a coast-to-coast -coast win where it's never in doubt. That kind of nice, relaxing stroll of a basketball game. We haven't had any of those. And maybe that's contributing to the anxiety we're seeing in Lakers Nation. Yeah, every big lead that they take or every lead that they take, it's like, fool me once, you know, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. That's kind of what I feel like how the Lakers mm -hmm. have been playing. It's just like, you can't relax. You, you just 
you never know when they're going to take their foot off the gas pedal. You just never know when they're going to collapse. So I think uh, anxiety and anxiousness are are the perfect ways to describe how the Lakers have been playing so far. Um, not to say that it was unexpected by any means, but actually having to go through it on a daily basis now, it, it does. it's a little taxing, and I understand why fans are, are really, you know, sitting at home thinking, ah, I'm not really too sure how good the Lakers actually are. And to be frank, to be quite honest, like I'm kind of there too. I'm still very much in mm-hmm. wait and see mode, but you know, so far the returns haven't been great. Um, I'm, I'm going to really have to earn my nickname this season. <laughs> We're going to need your optimism. Um, somebody in the chat asked, will Chris, the masterpiece masters be there at LA draft on Saturday? The, Asking the important yes, questions. that is the important question. The answer is yes. Yes, uh, Chris told me he will indeed be there. He's going to come join us and hang out, and we'll uh, we'll watch the Lakers game together. So, yeah, Chris will be there with us as well. All right. Oh, somebody said, John Boyle when on YouTube said, I'm not too concerned at this point. I think the next couple, couple of games are going to tell us a lot, but up till now they've been doing okay. Yeah, I mean, the, they got the win, right? So that's that's the important part, and I understand why it's not a win where you feel good. But they did get the win. And I think there were some positive signs, particularly from the big three. I think if the defense was there, because typically right around three big star players, you just need everybody else to defend their butts off. If they can do that, then you're in really good shape. They just didn't do that tonight. The defense just was not there. And I'm sure that's something Frank Vogel is going to talk about in the postgame. Yeah, you know, to the comments point, they get a revenge game against the Thunder yes. on Thursday because, you know, that's that's a nice redemption mm-hmm. game, right? Um, if they don't win that game by like thirty, I'm gonna be upset. <laughs> they, they better come uh, out fired up on that one. Yeah, but and, and then you know after that they've got a pretty decent test: uh, the Trailblazers, mm-hmm. the Hornets, who yes. are feisty this year, and then the Heat, who are also very good. So, a um, little adversity here after that 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 you know supposedly easy stretch of games for the Lakers, but I, I think it'll be good for them. I think it'll tell us a lot more about what this team is and how they handle you know playing better competition, but. Uh, for now, I, I'm just thinking after tonight, you know, I'm just glad they got a win. Like I've been saying, it's just at this point <laughs> with all the well, all the adjusting and, and you know, things that they're mm-hmm. building right now, uh, you take wins as you can get them. So tonight was not great, but you, you but take the a W. w. Uh, I've got a comment here from YouTube. I love my Lakers, but I don't think we can call Reeves Hillbilly Kobe until he shows us he can do flashy dunks like the Mamba. Well, then we're never going to call him Hillbilly Kobe. Can can we're Austin Reeves dunk? I'm assuming it's a yes. He's 6'5". I'm assuming it's a yes. But have we seen it? I'm trying to think back to Summer League. Did we see Austin Reeves dunk? Probably in warm-ups. I don't think we've seen no. him dunk in an actual game yet, though. Yeah. Um, yeah, hey, man. If we can't call... If, we, if, if we're waiting for Reeves to throw down like like slams like LeBron James tonight, yeah, then we're never calling him yeah, HBK. Yeah, that's not happening. That's not happening. Uh, somebody said, Ramon A said, I won the contest on Lakers Nation Twitter tonight. Congratulations. That's awesome. Uh, but more importantly, the Lakers nice. win again. Let's keep it going until we get number 18. That's right. Let's keep that optimism up there. And uh, congrats on getting that win. Uh, I've got a question here. Said, do you think this team will trade for one more wing? I, I mean, Oof. right now, No because we haven't seen all of their wings. They're going to wait to see what THT can do. They're going to wait to see what Ariza can do before they make that determination. And that's fine, because the trade deadline's not till February anyway. They've got plenty of time to figure that sort of thing out. Perhaps at the trade deadline, they say, you know what, we need another wing. But there's not a lot of guys on this roster that, number one, have a contract that's all that tradable. Like, a lot of guys are veteran minimum deals. 
And number two are guys that necessarily would have a ton of value around the league. Now, if THT goes and blows up or something like that, maybe he could have value. Kendrick Nunn, maybe. But again, there, there's not an obvious guy where you could say, oh, that's that Kwame Brown, you know, whatever it was, $12 million expiring contract that you could toss into a trade. They don't really have that. So we'll have to see uh, what that what that looks like. Yeah. I wouldn't be assuming that they're going to make a trade. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't bet on anything either. I, I think the most likely route they would take is they maybe uh, either a cut Avery Bradley since he's a non-guaranteed mm -hmm. contract, or b they deal one of the vet minimum guys for you know just to clear a roster spot, and then they they get a wing in the buyout market. That would probably be the only way I see another forward getting yeah. onto the roster. Um, trading, you know, the Lakers could hypothetically combine THT and Kendrick Nunn's contracts to make up 15 million and, and go get a wing that way. Uh, but I doubt they're going to want to do that. So adding another wing right now seems pretty far-fetched. Agreed. Yep. Uh, Mamba Mentality from YouTube said, Any word on LeBron's ankle? The tunnel scared me. Oh, it scared all of us when we saw LeBron go back in the tunnel in the fourth oh, yeah. quarter. How, how many deep oh, breaths did you take tonight? Because there was AD gosh, and then there was LeBron. So many. Um, I thought it, w it looked to me like he was stretching out his groin. That's what it, it looked like based on the stretch Same. that he was doing. But we'll wait and see what he says post-game. I'll go and check uh, Twitter in just a moment. Uh, and see what what he's saying. Uh, some some are speculating it might have happened on the charge he took in the fourth okay. quarter. Uh, you know that that's definitely not a bad um, that's not that's not a bad you know guess because uh, th there weren't there were no plays that he looked like he like you know explicitly got hurt and he walked off to the tunnel and I was confused too for a second when the camera yes. shifted him. So. And by the way, how cool of a shot is that that they that they put that camera in the tunnel? I thought that was just I know we've seen it before, but it just in that moment I was like. That's so smart to put that camera right there specifically for moments like these because of all the drama that it brings. Like, oh my gosh, LeBron <laughs> walking back there quick. Go to the tunnel camera and let's see. And then they got to catch him actually stretching. And, and then you got to see him going back towards the court. I was like, don't go to the locker room. Don't go to the locker room. And then he turns and he goes back to the court. And it was just a, it was a cool angle to get. I thought the, the production team did a great job there. Yeah, I mean, I was just yes. happy he came back into the game and finished it, so. <laughs> All right, let's get in. Somebody said it is the big three and a half. So why don't we use that to springboard into our next man up award? Because, Matt, I think we're going to be in agreement with this. Um, To me, it's Carmelo Anthony. Again, getting the next man up award. Carmelo Anthony tonight. Uh, six for nine shooting, which is nice. Three of five from three. 15 <laughs> points. Two boards from Mello. Uh, out of all the Lakers role players, I thought he had the best game. I thought they turned to him to knock in some big shots, and he did it. Wasn't like a 20-plus point per game scoring explosion. But to me, I thought he was the pretty clear next man up. Uh, yep, nope, no arguments here. I mean, if you go down the list of other role players tonight, mm -hmm. Kent Bazemore, Avery Bradley, DeAndre Jordan, Monk, and Austin Reeves, uh, not a lot of yeah. slim pickings for this award. Uh, so I don't want to say Melo, you know, won it by default or anything, but, you know, it was very clearly him. Um, I just want you to know that the Lakers hit, um, I believe, was it six threes on the night? They hit six threes of the night and Melo had half of them. Wow. Yeah, six for 25 yeah. from deep, 24%. Not a great three-point shooting tonight for the Lakers, but Carmelo Anthony does hit three of five. Man, that was a, that was a nice performance from him. And here's the, the thing with Carmelo Anthony. This blows me away. The Staples Center crowd reaction, the reaction to a to a LeBron dunk, like the crowd, the noise level from the crowd, it feels like it's the same as the reaction to a Carmelo Anthony jumper. 
Like Carmelo Anthony 15-foot jumper, the crowd goes crazy just like LeBron just tore the rim off. Yeah, I mean, I think it's two things. One, it's super fun to to do this, right? The yes, three to yep. the dome. It's 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 just I think it's the best three point celebration in the league right now. Uh, and then two, um, if you really think about it, the Lakers don't have like a heat check guy other than, outside of Melo. Well, I mean, uh, Russ will do it, know, but not not when he should. Not I, when he should. But you know what I mean, Trevor. You, you yes. know what I mean, Trevor. It, it's you know like when when shooter like when shooters or scorers like Melo have it going, it's 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 just like it's basketball like mm -hmm. Nirvana almost really. When when you can when you see a guy having a special scoring performance, and you know, 15 points isn't like a lot or anything, but uh, I think there's just a certain joy seeing Melo at this age prove doubters wrong and 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 show that he's still a useful player on a good team. And, you know, playing next to LeBron James in L.A. has a lot to do with that as well. But I'm I'm happy. You know, we we get a lot of flack when we call out Melo for bad defensive rotations yeah. and, and miscues and stuff. But when he's when he's on and shooting the basketball well, I'm, I'm so happy to talk about it. And I thought defensively um, he's been – I think since Frank Vogel pretty much drew the line in the sand and said if you can't play defense, you're not playing, he's been – Pretty solid. I mean, four blocks last game, two steals last game. Um, tonight, I think, was an off night defensively for the entire team. But overall, he's been able to get the job done on uh, on defense. So that's been great to see. And then the couple of things, right? When Carmelo Anthony's behind the line, behind the arc, it's so hard to do anything to affect his shot because he's tall, right? I mean, he's, right. he's, he's got size to him. So when he rises up and he's got that pretty quick release, even guys who are right, right in his grill can't affect his shot. And so that's important because he makes such a high percentage that he's got that gravity. You can see the difference when Carmelo Anthony is on the floor versus when it's Kent Bazemore or Avery Bradley, who both have to be respected behind the three-point line, but it's not the oh my God, this guy is going to kill us if we don't get out to him right this second response that you get when the ball gets swung to Carmelo Anthony. So the spacing on the floor is very different. I've noticed when Carmelo Anthony is the guy that's hanging out in the corner. Yeah, and you know, when it's more, because when Carmelo gets the ball and he has a little bit of space, you know it's going up. So defenses know they have to scramble. And given that he's shooting over 50% from the field and beyond the arc, Defenses really do have to scramble and get out there as quick mm -hmm. as possible, and that compromises them. Um, but, you know, the other thing as far as, you know, Melo's jump shot, I do agree. You know, he's 6'8", like a legit 6'8", yeah. and he's got a high, 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 high release point on his jumper. But the thing I've always really liked about his jump shot is how yes. quick he gets off the floor. Um, I think that's a really underrated thing when you diagnose jump shots is that, you know, it's so sudden and so quick that defenders don't really have a lot of time to react and contest it in the first place. So um, that's also definitely working in Melo's favor and has been throughout his career. And I'm happy he's doing it in purple yeah, and gold. It's great to see. And again, I, we talked about this when he first signed on. It feels like it's been forever that the Lakers and Carmelo Anthony have been like dancing around each other. It's seriously been almost a decade that Carmelo Anthony to the Lakers has been a rumor or something has been going on and then it just didn't happen and now it finally happened and it's just cool <laughs> to see the way it's all played out. Mel, Mel, here, here's your uh, here's your quote of the night, Trevor. Uh, Melo is kind of like the girl that you've been flirting with for for a while now and then she's dated a lot of other guys or, or people and now she's finally ready to settle down and find her forever <laughs> home and I and I think that's Melo. That's Carmelo. Lakers. That's the the forever home. That's all Carmelo. Right. Yeah, well, I mean, if you think about it, he's trying to get no, well, Oh, right? that's so true. Oh, kind of, man, that analogy going to the, the, going analogy to the next just, level. I like it. Yes. Thank you. I'll take my, my checks in the mail. <laughs> I like it. Um, Kent Bazemore, his forays to the rim are quite an adventure. <laughs> How, what do you think his shooting percentage is on layups? 
right now. Oh man. Uh, if you told me it was less than 50%, yeah. I'd believe you. Right? Yeah. It feels like it. You just never know. It's like a it's like Forrest Gump. It's a box it really is. You never That's, know. What you're you know, get. and I like what I like the defensive intensity that Bazemore has brought. I think he can knock in the corner three with some regularity, but man, when he attacks the back, unless he dunks it, which he did tonight, when he goes for that layup. It's, there's a decent chance it's not going to you saw at the end of the game I think it was Avery Bradley followed it because he saw it was Bazemore yeah. and he went oh no and he and he was right <laughs> behind him waiting for him to miss and, and miss he did um, he, he really does remind me of KCP because KCP just had true. troubles you know if he was going full speed toward the rim and you know layups were also an adventure every time he got there um, Ken Bazemore is basically that for me this year and so I at this point, I'm not surprised when he misses, and it's disappointing that that happens more frequently than yeah. I'd like to. But I, I still have some love for Bayes because he does compete defensively, like you said. And uh, he's taken a lot, a lot of hard assignments uh, up mm-hmm. to this point. And so, you know, he's, he's going to have utility no matter what. But, you know, just clean up the layups, man, and, and you'll be yeah, good. Yeah, exactly. Please, please do. Because <laughs> they are a bit scary right now. Um What's up with AB to DeAndre Jordan lob? Was he actually trying to shoot that? I'm wondering if somebody <laughs> asks him after the game. Because it almost looked like I didn't so like yes. rewind and go back and look at it again. It looks like it even glanced off the rim. I could be wrong. Did it touch the rim and then wind up right in DeAndre Jordan's hands? No, I, I mean, like, I, I'd have to watch it again, too, but I did do a double take. It looked like it was about to hit the rim, and, and DeAndre grabbed it, which is why the Rockets were yeah. calling goaltending. Um, so I don't know, but it, I, what, what's worse there? If he was, if he missed that badly, or if it was, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. It ended up in a yeah. dunk, so I, I But, I, I mean, play. look, if it was, an, whether, it, whether it hit the rim or not, if it was a total air ball, if he just missed the rim, then that's not goaltending. If it did touch the rim, it right. bounced straight off. It's not like it bounced up or anything, and it would have gone straight into his hands. I'm guessing it probably didn't hit the rim because so many people were asking, was that a pass or a shot or what was it? Um, we'll call it a pass, though, just for Avery Bradley's sake. Yeah, great great corner yes. lob. Yeah. All right, right, let's. I've had a lot of people asking about this. I want to get into some other topics. I want to talk about DeAndre Jordan. I want to talk about, uh, yeah, I know that's the reaction. I want to talk about him. I want to get into some other stuff. I need to talk about Anthony Davis's three-point shooting. A lot of things there. But I've got so many people talking about this moment, and I know it's going to be our master lock of the night. So let's just get into oh. it, Matt. Let's talk about what happened. We already, already know. know. We already know what it is. The master lock of the night was the referees taking two points away from the Lakers because of what they call, this was their language, a correctable error, right? Where Kent Bazemore got to shoot two free throws by mistake. The They thought that the, um, that the Rockets had five fouls. They actually only had four. So they thought they were in the bonus. They gave Kent Bazemore two free throws. He shot them. What was it? A couple minutes had gone by. Some time had gone by. And then they went back and said, oh, wait, we made the mistake and took the two points away. The reason why this is a master lock is because it robbed the Lakers of a possession. If that was the case, right? If they had made that mistake, okay, but you just wronged the Lakers with that mistake by going back and fixing it. Because if they had called it correctly, it would have been the ball out of bounds to the Lakers. Now they just lost the points and didn't get the possession of the ball. I I have literally never seen that. I haven't either. In all my years of, all, of watching basketball. And, you know, I mean, 
kudos to the refs for trying to get a call right, but you don't take away two points. They literally took points off the yeah. board. Um, and, and, you know, at the time, I, I don't remember what the actual score was, but I know the Lakers were up and they had like maybe a two possession lead or so, but you take two points away. Um, no, actually I remember now it was a five point lead for the Lakers. They took two points away, became a three point lead. LeBron was able to nail a jumper and put it back to five, but that should have been seven in a three possession game. Um, and it had real implications because like we said, the Rockets could have came if down that shot and, went that in? Three and they would have won. Yeah. They would have won. Um, uh, so yeah, I just don't understand. I can't. I can't imagine that's in the rule book. I mean, or or maybe that is, and it's just like one of those like weird quirky things that the refs have that power to do. But uh, they need to remove that because you just can't take points off in the middle of the game like that. Like I've seen it where like they they they'll you know take time to review a three, and if it was mistakenly called the three and they take off a point, like I that that mm -hmm. makes total sense. But for them to to, you know, mistakenly give Kent Bays more free throws. He nails them and then come back later after some time pass, like you said, and say, oh, you know what, just kidding. Uh, those shouldn't have counted. We're going to take two points off the board. That just no. shouldn't be allowed. Um, and I'm not even just saying that because I'm a Lakers fan. I, if that was the other way around, I'd be saying the same thing. Like, you shouldn't yeah, be able to do Yeah, because, again, you're... Look, the, the, the way it was, the way... Before the refs did anything, the Rockets had been wronged, right? Because they shouldn't have had those two free throws go against them. But then they flipped it and they they hurt the Lakers with what they did because they took a possession away. And if we go by averages, points per possession, you would get you generate typically right around one point per possession, depending on the team and, and all that kind of stuff. So wouldn't the right. more fair solution have been to take away one of those points and say because we also took away a possession, they probably we can say they probably would have averaged about one point per possession. So we'll take away one of those two points since they also didn't get the ball. I don't know what I don't know how the rule book handles that situation, but to me, you don't fix the situation by wronging the other team in in fixing it. You know what I mean? I don't I don't know. Like what's what's another solution? Like, you know, replay the game at the point that the foul yeah. had occurred and and just re and revert the score back to what but it was then. You could have done but that. But how much time had passed at that point? I guess that's the, the question. Well, that's that's I mean, but what's what's but that's what I'm saying though. Like what's what's the better solution? Right, here? yeah. <laughs> uh, the only fair thing would be to just mm -hmm. redo the whole thing. I know like some time had passed, but it wasn't like it was a whole quarter or anything. Which has so, happened, right? Uh, when teams, when like there's the end of a game and something happens and then a team protests, we've seen before where the league has replayed the end of a game. Right. Like what happens if that comes up in the playoffs? Like, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, what I, I mean, mean, hopefully it does. Like, this is a dangerous pre. Yeah, it's just it's not a good precedent to set where if the ref if the referee makes an officiating mistake and and penalizes a team for their for their own mistake, like that has some serious implications. Like I mean, it's, I know it's a Tuesday regular mm -hmm. season game to start the year, but um, this just means that there's grounds to do it down mm -hmm. the line. I mean, hopefully it never happens again to any team, but I, I'm just saying that I think that's something the league has to definitely look at, and I'm sure that's going to be talked about a lot yeah. tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in, in positive news, though terms of things that the league is looking at overall i know this was obviously a big deal and that's why it's the master lock of the night that moment and it was weird and like we said we've never seen it before hopefully we never see it again overall i've been really pleased with the officiating this season there have been some plays where sure. okay maybe they should have called a foul but i will gladly take no call over trey young james harden parading to the free throw line every single game right i love getting rid of all of that stuff and the NBA, according to Shams Tarania, is going to try to get rid 
of my other pet peeve, and it's been the pet peeve of a lot of people around the NBA, <laughs> the take fouls to stop fast breaks, they're, the competition committee is going to look at getting rid of those. So I think as much as frustrating as tonight was with that particular moment, I think overall the NBA officiating took a, a positive step in getting rid of some of the foul calls that we saw last season that frankly were embarrassing for the league. Um, and now they're going to take another positive step by hopefully eliminating the take fouls in transition. Just do what, what they did in, um, in over in Europe. Just make it a technical foul. Make it one free throw plus the ball. That'll put a stop to it, and then we can enjoy thunderous dunks on fast breaks again. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. Free throw on the ball, mm -hmm. perfect solution. My other one that I don't really talk about yeah. too often, though, is I think it's really dangerous when you get you know the yes. charge block calls where guys uh -huh. slide under guys when they're already in the air. Um, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I don't like that call because obviously it's dangerous for both players in that situation. So I think if a player does slide under a player that's already within their shooting motion or in the air, I think you should call it a flagrant. And so, you know, to penalize that player for doing that. So, you know, we'll, we'll have that conversation another day. Um, right now, though, I'm just happy, like you said, that the, the non-basketball moves are, are being, you know, actually officiated correctly now. And then if we can get the take foul out, we'd have a lot cleaner games going forward. I've got... Matt, we have a, a Ron Gutterman fan base going on here in our, in our chat oh, right now. No People asking way. where Ron is, where he's been. He's got, I, he didn't tell me what, he's got something going on in the evenings where he wasn't able to do some of the post-game shows. Um, he's still come mm. on some of the the, uh, the daytime videos that we shoot and stuff. And I believe, correct me if I'm wrong here, he said he was going to be there Saturday, right? Uh, Ron will be there in attendance there on go. Saturday in the flesh. So for anyone that's missing their, their Gutterman... <laughs> Feel free to come by. Um, yeah, I, I get it, guys. I know. I miss Ron on the shows, too. Trevor has to report to asking <laughs> me now. So, Guys, you're making Matt the Optimist feel bad. I think I think they want Ron in place of me. They want they want a Ron and Matt show. They want uh, they want you guys to take over. No, I, I think they really want Jeff and Ron. Jeff and Trevor. <laughs> that might be what they get on Saturday. We'll, we'll wait and see what that winds up looking like. But... Uh, that was a fun one last year. That was fun to watch from afar. The chat was not kind to them. All right. <laughs> let's uh, let's get into a few more of these. Oh, people, there we go. People are saying we love Matt too, and people are laughing that I mentioned that I mentioned Jeff. Jeff, by the way, just to prepare everybody, Jeff is going to host on Saturday when we're doing the um, the live event at uh, LA Draft. So he will be hosting that one. We may have one of us come in from the the watch party maybe it'll be me we'll have one of us come on as like the guest but i don't think we're going to have the bandwidth at the event to actually put out the show from there so jeff's going to be running the show if you guys remember from last year jeff took over a show for me so um be kind to him when he when he's hosting on saturday yeah, uh, you guys should just come to the, the event on Saturday so you can hear me and Trevor spit real hot takes that we can't say on air. Yes. So <laughs> uh, somebody said, no, Trevor, next show. No, next show I'll be around. Next show is Thursday. Next show is Thursday. Lakers take on OKC. It's Saturday that we have our event over at LA Draft in Santa Monica. Again, I'll be there for that. And that's going to be a lot of fun. Hopefully you guys should, can uh, come join us. If you missed it, we did the ad right around the 15 or so minute mark. And it's got all the details there where you can come watch a game with us. Yeah, unfortunately, it's me on the show again, guys, on Thursday. So bear with us. Oh, for one it's going to be. But Matt, it's always a good time. We always need your optimism coming in. 
I don't know. I've been getting some comments that I haven't been as optimistic as I have been in previous years. Um, I've actually seen some where it's like you've turned more into Matt the Realist. <laughs> Matt the Realist. It's <laughs> and, been a tough season for optimism. It has, but no, guys, listen, I'm still the optimist. I still think that, you know, when things break right, the Lakers mm -hmm. are clearly the best team in the Western Conference. Here's my optimism for the night. Um, I do think the Lakers will ultimately end up being the best team in the Western Conference when everyone's healthy and everything's gelled. Um, you know, I'll take them against any team right now in a seven-game series. Um, I do think that there are some, you know, pretty big threats to the Lakers, but going forward, at least getting to the finals, I think the path is pretty clear. Uh, when we get to the actual NBA finals, we'll see, but um, it's just really hard to bet against the Lakers when everything's going right. And we've seen glimpses of what that team can look like, but once we start seeing, you know, full games and strings of games from them where I know they can be the best team that they can be, then, then we'll see some more confidence out of me going forward. But for right now, I'm, I'm very much in wait-and-see mode, but don't worry, the optimism will be there by the end of the season, That's I'm right. pretty sure. We'll, we'll bring it back. Uh, more people asking about Chris. Yes, Chris will be there. Oh, somebody said Matt the Downer. Yeah, Chris will be there on Saturday. Um, he'll be joining us as well. Uh, Mark Gunnels, I believe, Damn, will be there also, who uh, did a couple videos with me earlier today. Somebody said, thank you, oh, Matt, man, for Mark, accepting nice. my Instagram request in real time. Oh, no way. Joining, joining me and following uh, Matt Peralta on Instagram. Guys, that's still by far my highlight of the year so far is Trevor following me on Instagram. Uh, for anyone new joining, Trevor and I have been co-hosts on this show now for almost a year, and he had just found that's out right. he was not following me on the Instagram, uh, even though he's tagged me in multiple things I did up to not, this point. We went I to had Vegas no idea. together, Trevor. I really didn't know. I, like, I assumed because I was tagging you that I must be following you, and somehow I was not. I just went on your following list for like every time you tagged me in something and I wanted to see just to make sure I wasn't crazy. Lo and behold, it wasn't there. Uh, but as of last week, I'm a happy camper. Well, at least we at least we righted that wrong there. Um, let's talk a little bit about Anthony Davis, because I got to say, I've got a concern. I've got a concern with AD. Sure. It's the three point shooting. Um, the oh, stats, yeah. I don't believe they're updated yet, but he was 0 for 3 tonight from 3, and he was about 18%, 17 and change heading into the night. So he's probably like 14 or 15% from 3 on the season at this point. That's just a guesstimate. My concern is that if that doesn't change, Matt, other teams are going to start to notice. Other teams are going to start to recognize that. I think they have a little bit. And what yeah. can happen is... The benefit of running AD at the five is he can stretch out to the three-point line and he can pull the defense out with him. And right now, we're still in the mindset of, you know, the other team sees them and they go, oh my gosh, that's Anthony Davis out there. I'd better get out there and defend him. But the longer this lasts, the longer this three-point shooting slump or struggles or whatever we want to call it continues, the more teams are going to catch on. And the less advantage you're going to get from AD being at the five, because at some point when he goes out there, teams aren't going to follow him if he's only shooting whatever it is, 15% from three. I'm actually going to cool. one up you a little bit, Trevor, and say that I think the issue has been just the jump shooting uh -huh. in general. Because, <laughs> um, see, let's go back to 2020 when the yeah. Lakers won that title, right? Um, what made Anthony Davis so special? Obviously, the three point shooting was a nice bonus. But he was basically shooting mid-range jumpers like he was Dirk Nowitzki. Oh, he was money. <laughs> um, he was automatic from, from the free throw line extended and even out a little farther than that. But so far, the jumper has looked a little shaky to me. Um, I'm not sure what it is, whether or not he's in his head or if it's a shooting form or what. But 
Um, he just hasn't been that much of a jump shooting threat. Obviously, we've been talking a lot about Anthony Davis being aggressive and finishing in the rim, uh, being a lob threat off pick and rolls. That's exactly what we want to see from him. Um, and But what makes AD so special at the five as far as the spacer goes is that he's able to hit those jump shots and keep defenses honest and open up you know, these, these cran nooks and crannies for, for driving lanes mm -hmm. and passing lanes. But uh, to this point, I don't think we've really seen it too much. Um, so... I might push back a little bit, though, is that, you know, if Anthony Davis just remains a poor three-point shooter, him at the five is still the most optimal thing, if only because as a pick-and-roll partner for LeBron or Russell Westbrook, there's just less clutter in the painted area, so he still has the vertical spacing element to him that's really useful for the Lakers' offense. So um, I think the three-point shooting, to me, is a luxury. Um, it's just more a matter of um, just getting him involved in those actions some more and finishing around the rim that I'm concerned about. But um, I am hoping that at some point throughout the season that the jump shooting does perk up because that that's what makes AD so special. Yeah, in exactly. And so it has to. It's got to come around. But until then, he's going to keep powering the Lakers in the paint, which, I mean, he was still good there. He was still, don't get me wrong, he was still good tonight. <laughs> yeah. But I think he's really got to get working on that three-point shot, because that's what really separates him, and that's what creates the space on the offensive end when uh, when he steps out there. Uh, we got some quotes coming in here from Frank Vogel. He was not happy about that master lock moment either, the two points being taken away. This is his quote. He said, that's definitely something the league has got to look at. They can't give us that possession back. Oh, yeah. You can't correct that at that point. So I'm very frustrated uh, by that. We tried to make the argument, you have to give us that possession back if you're going to take the points off because play already resumed. Um, he said, thankfully, it didn't change the outcome of the game, even though it was very close to. Um, I'm surprised he didn't yeah, get thrown out. He addressed that. He said, that were you aware that somebody asked him, were you cognizant that you already had a tech in that moment? He said, yeah, and they know. If I'm going to get thrown out, I'll get thrown out. They allow you to have a reaction. So he's saying the refs knew I was already on a tech. So, if I was, so since I was upset in that moment, they kind of let me have that moment. Uh, but I am surprised too. I thought, I thought with the way that game was going, he was probably going to get tossed. And uh, he didn't. I, yeah, like I'm normally not that irate no. at, at officiating and calls, but like that one was just ridiculous. Like that's actually taking points right. off the board. Uh, so whatever. Like at least the Lakers won again, but the, the process is frustrating. To LeBron and AD spent some time talking about it as well, and we're not not pleased with it. So this is this has been a major talking point in uh, in the post game. You've got Vogel talking about it, LeBron yeah, I mean, and AD you, talking you don't about see yeah, it often because it just doesn't doesn't happen. Like you would think that like they they so they they realized at some point that the Lakers at that point or the Rockets at that point rather had only four fouls mm -hmm. instead of five. Um, you would think that someone would have pointed that out as Kent Bazemore was shooting free throws. Oh yeah, you would think that somebody if and if they had done that at that moment, then okay, the Lakers just get the ball out of bounds. Yeah, just wipe away that free throw that he just took. At least that makes more sense at the moment, right? Like you're self-correcting yeah. in real time, but to do it like retroactively like that, even though it was only like 30 seconds or a minute or whatever, like still, you just shouldn't be able to do that. Uh, here's a Frank Vogel comment that I think some people aren't going to agree with, uh, myself included. Credit the Rockets, man. Our defense wasn't good in the first half, but even when it was, they made tough shots. I don't think there was a moment where it was. There were a few tough shots that the Rockets made. Jalen Green had a few really deep threes. But I think that the defense was... It was more than just the Rockets making tough shots. If it was just them making a bunch of tough shots, okay. But I thought there were a lot of moments where the defense was just legitimately bad. And it wasn't necessarily the Rockets' shot-making ability. 
No, no, I don't think so. I mean, I, I mean, I think to, to Vogel's point, I think you saw you know uh-huh. a little bit of that at the end of the third quarter and the fourth quarter, particularly down the stretch of the fourth. Uh, but the first half was just abysmal. Like you don't give up seventy points yeah. in a half like that. So um, you can't really attribute it to tough Rockets shot making. So and especially if you look at the points in the paint, we didn't even talk about that. But uh, tonight the Lakers scored seventy eight points in the paint. Great. Uh, that's all LeBron, Russ, and AD mm-hmm. did tonight. Really was just attack the basket. Uh, but the Rockets also put up sixty. So that's that's not very encouraging. Yeah. Yes, that, that was not great. Um, you know, I do want to circle back really quick because I think we were going to talk about. Oh DeAndre yes, Jordan. thank you for reminding me, DeAndre Jordan. Oh, DeAndre Jordan. Oh, somebody said players are blaming. This is a super chat blaming the Wilson ball for the bad shooting. Some are, some are. Some, Maybe some that's that, a factor yeah. with Anthony Davis's shooting, but DeAndre Jordan. Oh, DeAndre Jordan, DeAndre Jordan. So tonight. In terms of stats, four for five, that's great. Nine boards, okay. Eight points, three turnovers from DeAndre Jordan. Typically bigs that are just catch and finish guys don't turn the ball over that much. Uh, And defensively, he just doesn't have the mobility that you need. I can't wait for Dwight Howard to get back. I want to see the smaller Lakers starting five with Dwight Howard being the bench big because he has, he just, he's not the most mobile guy either, but he's a lot more mobile than DeAndre Jordan is. He's a lot more active on the glass. He's a lot more active overall, period. Sometimes overly active because he picks up a lot of fouls too. But I think that ultimately the Lakers are going to settle on Anthony Davis at the five in the starting lineup. Maybe it's THT joining him. Maybe not. Maybe it's Ariza. I'm talking long-term here, right? We don't know who the other guys joining them will be, but it's going to be Anthony Davis at the five. Dwight Howard will be the center coming off the bench and DeAndre Jordan probably won't be part of the rotation. Yeah, I, I wanted to talk about it because I don't think it's a coincidence at this point that every time he's in the game, or it feels like every time he's in the game, that the Lakers give up runs to mm-hmm. other teams. Because, um, like, look, DeAndre Jordan in his prime was a very athletic, mobile, agile big who, you know, had great, great, you know, recovery and, and timing and all these other things that made... And, like, he was just an athletic yeah. beast at the time. Uh, but now that he's he's gotten older and a lot of that has kind of waned... Um, He's just slower on recoveries. He doesn't give multiple efforts anymore. Like that's been the most frustrating thing to me is that he'll he'll defend the initial action in, on on the defensive end, but then once he starts involving in multiple, he kind of just seems to either he's a step behind or two steps behind sometimes, or even just doesn't make the flat out effort to to get out there. Um, that to me has been the most yeah. frustrating part. And I tweeted this out, but I thought it was super glaring on a possession where he had Christian Wood out on the perimeter and he just got blown by. Um, that's gonna happen a lot. Every time he's out on the floor, especially when you play a small ball team like the Rockets where, you know, they have someone like a Christian Wood or have what have you um, out there who can isolate on him and get by him. So, well, with, with DeAndre Jordan, you have no choice really but to play a drop coverage. But that's going to be like easy money for teams that have pull up uh, that have guards or forwards that can pull up and, and hit those mm-hmm. mid range shots. Uh, you're going to be giving those a lot. That's what you want to give up. But I think with DeAndre Jordan in particular, it exacerbates the issue. Um, yeah, the foot speed's just not there. And I know Dwight himself isn't like the most agile guy, but he can at least, you know, he still has the athleticism and the know-all to, to be in the right spots when he needs to be. I just haven't really seen that from DeAndre quite yet. Uh, and so, yeah, I think that, like you said, once, Ant- once Dwight's back, hopefully soon, uh, it's Davis at the five and then Dwight's the lone big off the bench. And DeAndre should really just be the breaking case of emergency big man going forward. Let me tell you something, Matt. When I see DeAndre Jordan not be able to get out and cover, not have the mobility that the Lakers need. I shouldn't think this way, but I do because I know there's no going back to it. But I keep thinking, what would Damian Jones look like? 
in that role. He oh. was at least more mobile. Yeah. And then I go and I look and I keep checking game by game. And sure enough, he has not played a single second for the Sacramento Kings this entire season. They haven't put him on the floor. That's Why did you pick up his op- his option, Sacramento, just to keep him away from the Lakers? Is that really what happened here? Because the Lakers, he was he, that was their move. plan, was to bring back Damian Jones, from what we heard. That was one of the first things they were going to do, was go and get Damian Jones again. And the Kings picked up his option and now have not put him on the floor for a single second. And he certainly had, he's not the most mobile guy, but definitely more mobile than DeAndre Jordan at this stage of his career. Hey, do you remember when uh, Buddy Heald and Damian Jones were on the table for the Lakers? In case you want to just go down, you know, off-season yes. memory lane. Yeah. Uh, but no, yeah, it's it's the most frustrating thing with me. Like DeAndre Jordan, I know, still has a pretty, you know, decently sized name when you when you bring him up with mm-hmm. casual fans. But he's just not the same player. And and through eight games, like, because uh, trust me, we saw this a lot with Marcus All last year, who was also a very yeah. slow-footed big who couldn't really defend as many actions. But at least Mark provided spacing and passing. Right. <laughs> um, DeAndre Jordan, you know, is still definitely a lob threat when he has space enough to get up there. But after that, though, like he just hasn't been as good on the glass as I would have expected either. Um, we had a lot of fans complaining about, you know, offensive rebounding for other teams, which means the Lakers aren't defensive right. rebounding. Uh, DeAndre just hasn't been that good either. Like, he just doesn't have the same lift. He he just doesn't seem to, you know, uh, get the boards that we expect big men to get. Uh, that's been another complaint of mine. So uh, not to dump on the guy completely. I, I, do, I do think he'll sure. have his uses some nights. But I, I just think going forward, long term, uh, the best version of the Lakers doesn't have him in the lineup. I mean, nine. Uh, he had, what, nine boards tonight? Three of them offensive, sure. which, I mean, that's not terrible, but still there were enough moments defensively where I thought this is going to be better when Dwight's in this rotation. Right. And, and I mean, to be fair, if you want some added context, they're playing the Rockets who didn't have Daniel Tice in the game because sure. um, he was out for the night. So I, I think when you have when you play other teams with, with more size, I, I think you'll notice that DeAndre just isn't as effective on the glass as he yeah. used to be either. Yep. Definitely is not. Makes that an even more curious move that the Lakers decided to go with DeAndre Jordan. I mean, look, the Lakers and Rockets tied in offensive boards. 11. They won the rebounding battle overall. The Lakers did 43-38. to But again, the Rockets are missing their starting center. You would think that would be a bigger discrepancy there. Yeah, you would think so, but it just doesn't have... That's just not the yep. case right now, so... All right. Um, let's take... A, let's do one more. One more question. You know what? One of the things that I've been doing lately because the last couple of shows have been solo, uh, has been our favorite moment from the game. And and kind of like oh, a, sure. a little de facto award that we throw in. So what was your favorite moment from tonight's game, Matt? Oh, Just, I know, that's putting, uh, that's putting you on question. the spot. Yeah, no, no, no. Um, what was the Showtime uh, moment that they had? I think it was the uh, the LeBron yeah. fast break, right? Or was it the lob for me? Oh, I I, I personally like the, the, the reverse lob to LeBron because yep. I like it with the... Yeah, the reverse lobs to me are always the most entertaining. Um, I think my favorite, you know, big man play ever is, um, and I'm sure you know you'll remember this is Pau Gasol yes. on the break. Yep. Yeah, with the between the legs to Lamar, that was awesome. Um, but I, I love it when big men get in the action and they're not necessarily the finishers mm-hmm. but the initiators. So to me, that was the, that was my favorite moment. But I think a close second was obviously LeBron's vicious dunk. I think it was in the third or fourth quarter. I don't remember, but uh, when he's animated and he gets the crowd going, I think that's the best version of LeBron, mm-hmm. especially when he's at home. Um, it just it makes me feel better about the team. So I'm, I'm going to go with Did you two. see the shot that the Lakers got? They put out there on social media of LeBron scowling 
after one of those dunks. Oh, yes. that was such that needs exactly. to be on a poster. They need to hang that up at Staples Center. Like it was a, it was just a, a great, yep. great shot. Yeah, I want that to be like my phone lock screen or something like that. Like that was absolutely f- fantastic. Um Yeah, that was awesome. What, my what was favorite, yours? I mean, I'm not gonna lie, I definitely celebrated a bit when Austin Reeves got that block. I thought that was that was a fun <laughs> moment, but but realistically, in terms of overall just impact, uh, there were a few big Russell Westbrook rebounds that I thought were major moments. But just in terms of highlight reel, I think it's going to be the AD lob to LeBron too. I think that's going to be the one, yeah. the one two-handed dunk by LeBron though as well. Those two moments, and I know those were your two as well. Those were ones where six months from now, when the Lakers put together a highlight package, those two were going to be on there. Any other play from tonight's probably not. Yeah, uh, I, I do want to say um, honorable mention to the Carmelo Anthony three that he was like yes, completely draped over nice and still ha- managed to nail. That that's definitely an honorable mention for me too because I, I I didn't think that was going in, but but since it's mellow, of course sure. it went in. So um, let me finish with this: Russell Westbrook, three turnovers. So his last three games have been three, two, and four turnovers. That's that's a step forward. And there was a moment. I was so pleased with this. There was a moment where Russ got the ball. I think it was off of an offensive rebound. I know what moment he you're got the about. ball, <laughs> and he's in the right corner, and the Rockets defender was five feet plus off of him. And I went, "Don't shoot it! Don't shoot it! Don't shoot it! Don't shoot it!" In my head, I'm thinking, "Do not shoot this shot!" Right? It's the Rockets are asking you to shoot this shot. Do not do it. To his credit. Russ took the space the defender gave him, forced the issue, got into the paint, collapsed the defense on him, dropped it off to Anthony Davis for the dunk. I went, yes, Russ, that is what you do. You take the space they're giving with giving you, you force the action, force the defense to make a decision rather than doing what the defense wants you to do. And he played it perfectly, and that was great to see. And I think we've seen more of that from Russ lately. Again, 0 for 4 from 3, but I think all the 3s he took were wide open. Um, So I don't have a problem with him taking that shot when he's completely open like he was. Most of them were in rhythm except for one. I think we've seen some steps forward from from Russ in the last 3-4 games here. Yeah, no, I'm glad you brought it up because I think the turnover issue is twofold. One, I think he just looks more comfortable. Um, if you watch Russell Westbrook throughout the preseason, he did not look – he looked pretty out of place and wasn't sure what to do with the yeah. ball. Uh, looked way too passive at times and it looked way too aggressive at times. But um, I think we're starting to see, you know, Russell Westbrook be Russell Westbrook within the flow of the Lakers' offense, which is really good to see and encouraging. Uh, the second thing is that now that LeBron James is back, because as you remember, he did yeah. miss two games, so – um, Russell Westbrook had to shoulder a lot of that playmaking load, but with LeBron back to ease that off of him, uh, there's just less chances for him to make mistakes. So I, I think it's 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 a twofold thing there. But um, yeah, I I enjoy it a lot when Russ, you know, defenders are gonna sag off him like that all mm-hmm. season long. Um, so to see him actually attack the space and just outright beat a defender to the rim is really nice to see. Um, that's gonna set up the playmaking. That's gonna set up shots for everyone else. So. I think we're going to start seeing a more idealized version of, of Russ going forward. I have really appreciated the Russ and AD lineups in particular because I think they cover for each other's weaknesses mm-hmm. pretty nicely. Um, so that's a plus in the right direction as well. So once the roster is healthy and we put them, you know, like what, what's like a bench lineup that looks really good? It looks like, you know, Russ, Wayne Ellington, Trevor Ariza, Bazemore, mm-hmm. and AD. Like you can sure. throw something like that out there. That looks great on paper. Um, and that's, that's a non-LeBron lineup that I think will actually be a plus. So 
there there are things to be like looking forward to for the Lakers. But as far as Russ goes, I, I have definitely been impressed. I, I think you know through eight games, he's about right mm-hmm. where I thought he would be. But uh, these next stretch of games, like you know the next eight, ten games or whatever, I think he'll look even more comfortable and even better on the floor. So that'll be something to monitor going forward. But tonight was definitely a step in the right yeah, direction for him. Absolutely. And a good thing to wrap it up with for tonight, I think. Just crediting Russell Westbrook for the development that he has made, for the chemistry that he is building with the team. We're seeing steps forward. It looked really rough in the early going of this season, but it feels like now he's kind of, I I don't want to say he's completely turned the corner, but he's really getting there. We're starting to see things click for him, and that is fantastic for the Los Angeles Lakers. All right, everybody. Appreciate you all joining us tonight. Don't forget, we've got our big event coming up on Saturday, LA Draft House. Again, you can find those details right around the 15-minute or so mark on this video. Those are all posted in there for you. Come join us. It'll be in Santa Monica. Again, we are going to be releasing the Showtime Logger, and we'll be watching Lakers versus Blazers hanging out with all of you. Matt, thanks for coming on here and spreading a little bit of optimism tonight. Yes. No, I feel like I've been kind of a downer, like someone said <laughs> uh, the past couple shows. But, you know, um, I think now that the Lakers are starting to put together some wins, it, they look like a cohesive team, at least, you know, more cohesive than we saw originally. So that's been encouraging to see. So when there's encouraging things to talk about, I'm a lot happier on these shows. And I'm definitely a lot happier when they don't yes, blow 26 Absolutely. Points. Speaking of which... Revenge game coming up on Thursday. That's the next one. Lakers take on the Oklahoma City Thunder. Till then, everybody, stay safe and see ya.